All right, y'all, this is the He Is Podcast, episode six. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Jones. Welcome back. I appreciate y'all spending some time with us and diving deep into the word and fellowshipping and ultimately just trying to get closer to God. You know, I really appreciate all the support over the past two seasons. It's been incredible how many people are listening and commenting and just the real sense of community that is being built on this channel. It's a blessing. And I thank y'all every single day. Like you have no idea. I'm so thankful. Now, this is a special edition of the He Is Podcast. My co-host, my boy Elliot, um, he's not here. He's still traveling. So last week he did a solo podcast. It was an incredible podcast. Um, shout out to Elliot for doing that, um, for taking the time, for, for studying, for preparing, for praying, and delivering such a powerful and edifying message. Um, and this week, man, I guess it's my turn. You know, I don't know if I can live up to the, to the hype, to the expectation that Elliot set from last week, but I'm going to try. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to try. And I want to stick with the same concept, the same topic, and the same subject that we were have been talking about this whole season, and that has been the topic of relationships, and specifically biblical relationships, because I think a lot of us, if not all of us, we want to find somebody. You know, We want a partner. We want our helpmate. We, we, we want that person who we can grow old with and have a family and have children with um, and really, you know, build a legacy with. But how do you do that? What does that look like from a Christ led perspective? How do you do that and still glorify God? Right. So that's the conversations that we've been having. And a couple of weeks ago, Elliot and I, we had a conversation about. um Hold on. I just saw my bald head. I didn't like it. <laughs> also, I'm wearing glasses. So I look, I apologize if it gets a little too nerdy because, you know, the glasses, I get it. I get it. I understand. My eye got swollen, though. So I had to put these glasses on. I can't wear contacts right now. So that's why I'm wearing glasses. And also, I told them I was like, yo, when I got these glasses, I just got them. I was like, yo, I'm on camera like a lot. <clears throat> And I need something that's not going to glare too much, like with the lights. And the lady was like, oh, so it's all good. Like, we, we got you. This is the highest level of glare protection that you could get. Like, you'll be straight. And now I'm looking at it and I see all these glares in the background and whatnot. But whatever. That's besides the point. Let's get into the message. All right, y'all. Let's get into the message. Now, relationships. As I was saying, me and Elliot, we had a conversation about the most important relationship and the most important relationship in my opinion is our relationship with Jesus Christ that is the most important relationship but i i feel like oftentimes a lot of us overlook the importance of having a true genuine honest vulnerable relationship with Jesus Christ a lot of us want to rush through our our season of singleness so that we can find our person but not understanding that the season of singleness is a blessing because the season of singleness allows us an uninterrupted opportunity to solely focus on Jesus Christ and to solely focus on building our routine, reading our Bible, praying, worshiping, getting our priorities in place before we have the person in place. Because if we don't have our our priorities rooted in Jesus before the person comes, we're already set up for an uphill battle. 
So I want to talk about our relationship with God, and I also want to show you an example in the Bible in 2 Kings that I that I stumbled across of just an amazing example of what it looks like to seek God, what it looks like to make time for God, intentional time for God, and, and what it looks like to really put your faith in God. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Once again, I appreciate y'all. For all the support. If you could do me a favor, if, if you could um, like this video and also if you could su uh, subscribe to the channel. Look, y'all, I'm nervous. I don't know why I'm nervous. I feel like I'm delivering a, a scripture, you know, a message in front of thousands of people, which is kind of what I'm doing, which is crazy because I am not qualified to be doing this. Let's just get that straight. Before we get into the message, I am not qualified to be doing this. If you seen where I was just a few years ago, you would be like, yo, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Why does he think he can talk about God and teach people about the Bible? And I would I would agree with you. But that just goes to show you that God could use anybody in any situation, unqualified, whether you don't feel worthy, because I've never felt worthy. I've never felt qualified. I've always dealt with mental health issues. I, I've always dealt with self-doubt. But regardless of any of that, God can still use each and every one of us, and he wants to use us, and he's looking for people who are raising their hand who want to be utilized by the kingdom, and, you know, by the grace of God, he's He's allowed me to be a vessel, you know? Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it, I'm, I'm not lost on the fact that I'm not qualified to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to make mistakes, but, you know, it's all good, you know, we we, we all make mistakes. But let's get right into it. So I'm in 2 Kings chapter 4. This is Elijah and the Shunammite woman. This is ESV version, all right? So I'm going to read this. We're going to have a conversation about it because this really, like, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. So it says, one day Elijah went on to Shunam, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. I'm going to stop right there. Because that is significant, whether you know it or not. That is significant. So this woman, this Shunammite woman, she notices that Elijah is passing through her town, right? And she's able to identify that this is a man of God. This is a prophet. This is a real prophet. This is a man of God. And she realizes that pretty quickly, right? And she says to her husband, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. So that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Now, this was so interesting, and I didn't pick this up when I first read this, right? But this is so interesting because during this time period... It was not uncommon for people to make a guest space on their roof, 
specifically for their family, right? They would make a little small like guest space uh, for their family. And it would just be like a, a temporary passing through spot for family and friends during this time period, right? So that wasn't uncommon. But the thing that is kind of uncommon is the fact that she said, let us make a small room with on the roof with walls. So not only are we making a, a, a place for this man of God, but we're going to put a permanent place. We're going to put walls up. We're actually going to make this a legit room, not just, you know, a spot on the roof where it's temporary, but we're going to put a permanent place on the roof and we're going to set it up so that this man of God is comfortable. We're going to put a bed, a table, a chair so that whenever he comes, he can go there and he can be comfortable and he has a space in our house. And I thought that was so significant because. You got to understand. She's doing all of this because she identifies that this is a man of God. The Holy Spirit is with him. He is a true prophet. She's going out of her way to make a permanent place. So that the man of God. Can come and stay whenever he wants, however long he wants. And have a place that he's comfortable with. She's inconveniencing herself and her husband to create a place for God in their house so that he can be comfortable, so that he can have his way in his space in, in, in their house. And I thought this was so significant because it shows the relational aspect on our part to be intentional to set aside a place or to set aside time or to inconvenience ourselves to sacrifice in order to put God in his proper place in our life. I don't think it's, well, it might be a coincidence that they set this up on the roof of the house, right? on top on top of their of on top of their residence on top of their house and it's so interesting because you don't see any talk about her husband being jealous about that or her husband feeling some type of way about that i don't know it doesn't it doesn't go into the details maybe he did feel some type of way but i don't think he did i think he understood like hey yeah this is a man of god and we're going to sacrifice, we're going to inconvenience ourselves, we're going to make a place for him, a permanent place for him in our house so that he can come and go and move however he wants to move in our life. And I thought that was a beautiful representation of the relational aspect of God. And I think we need to make a conscious effort to make a permanent place in our life for God. Don't just be casual about it. Don't take it for granted. Don't just fit God into your schedule, but make God your schedule. Make God your schedule and fit your other stuff around what God wants to do in your life. And that's why I'm saying when you're single, 
And I didn't, I didn't, I, I, this, it wasn't intended to be like a podcast about, you know, single people, but that just keeps popping into my head. When you're single, you have an opportunity to do just that. And I'm not saying you can't do that when you're in a relationship, but when you're single, even more so, I just want to encourage all the single people, even more so you have an opportunity to really make God your schedule. And to really water that relationship and watch it grow and, and, and watch it flourish and watch him bless you. Because you got to understand also that God is not. He's the good father. He's our good father. What does the Bible say? Just as our earthly parents know how to uh, give good gifts, how much more do you think God knows how to give us good gifts? God knows what you want. He knows what you desire. He knows what you need above all. Because sometimes our desires and our wants don't align with what we need. God knows what you need above all. He knows what's going to be beneficial. He's going to bring that person into your life when you're ready for it. He's going to bring that person into your life when it's time. On his timing. Because you see the divorce rates are so high. I mean. It, it, marriage is like rolling the dice. More than 50% of marriages end in divorce. God wants to prepare you for a situation where you have a lifelong partner. Not just a partner for two or three years but a lifelong partner that you can build a legacy with and a family and break generational curses with. I'm going to keep reading. So verse 11, right? This is after they built the space on the roof uh, for Elijah. So verse 11, 2 Kings 4, it says, One day he came there, he turned into the chamber and he rested there. He said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. When he called her, he, she stood before him and he said to, and she, and he said to him, say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoke, spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, oh, my, oh, oh man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elijah had said to her. So you see, Elijah is saying to this woman. She says, you, you, you've, he said, you've gone through all this trouble for us. You've gone through all this trouble, rearranging your home, building this this, you know, permanent room for for us to dwell in when, when, when we stay like, what can we do for you? And God blesses her with a son. She didn't have a son. 
I don't know if she had children, but she didn't have a son. <clears throat> she didn't have anyone to carry on, you know, their family legacy, that bloodline moving forward. So God blesses her with a son. Elijah raises the Shunammite's son. This is verse 18. So it says, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon and then he died. So the same son, the same blessing that God had just blessed this woman with, that same blessing just passed away. Her son just died in her lap. And she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. So she lays her son on the bed, the same bed that she had set up for the man of God when he's staying at her house, right? Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servant, one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. So she knows what she has to do. She got to get back in the presence of God. She got to go to God. She has to go to the man of God. She needs a word from God. She needs a miracle. She needs another blessing. She knows exactly what she needs. And she, need, she knows who to go to. She knows exactly who to go to. She's not asking for no doctor. She's not, ask, she's not asking for no therapist. She's not ask, asking for, you know, no, you know, voodoo, witchcraft, nothing like that. She knows exactly who she needs to go to. And her husband is like, hey, it's, it's not the new, mo new moon nor the Sabbath. Because typically during this time period, if you were seeking a, a word from a prophet, it was, you know, custom to wait until a certain time period to do that. So that's why her husband was like, it's not new, new moon nor the Sabbath. Like, why are you going to seek wisdom from the prophet today? And she said, all is well. And then she saddled up the donkey. She said to her servant, urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, listen to this part. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there is the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? So Elijah sees the distress on this woman's face from a distance. And he tells his servant to go see what's up with her. So the servant runs over to ask, is everything okay? Is your husband okay? Is your son okay? And she said, all is well. She said, all is well. Which is interesting because all is not well. Your son just passed away in your, in your arms. Your son is dead. And you're saying all is well. You went through all of this trouble. You got on this donkey. 
You told your servant, do not, you know, slacken the pace. I want to get there as quickly as possible. And then the servant of Elijah comes up to you and says, is everything okay? And she says, everything is okay. I think that's so interesting. I don't know exactly why she said everything is okay. But in my head, I think she understood that the only one that can fix this situation is God. So why do I need to waste my time having conversations with other people who cannot fix this situation? Why do I need to waste my time to get your input and your advice when the only person that can fix this situation is God? So I need to go to the man of God. I need to go to the prophet and I need to figure out what I need to do to get life back into my son. And I think sometimes we have to have that same mentality. It's okay to have a council of people around you. It's okay to have believers and friends and your parents and your brother, your sister, and all that around you that you can receive counsel from. It's okay. But in some moments in your life, you just got to go straight to God. You don't need to concern yourself with the outside of, of opinion of other people who cannot make any change or impact in your situation. You need to go straight to God. And this is exactly what she's doing. She understands the urgency in the situation. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take your staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet anyone. If anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. This is so interesting because Elijah He's understanding the urgency of the situation, and he's surprised, actually. He says, the Lord has kept this from me. The Lord didn't even tell Elijah what was going to happen to the woman's son. It was a surprise to him. And Elijah tells his servant to take this the, the staff, Elijah's staff, and go quickly to the home. Don't talk to anybody. Don't get distracted. Go quickly to the home. And touch the staff to the to the on the child's head. I'm assuming to bring him back to life. But the woman ain't going for any of that. Because she said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. She understands that. The presence of God is with Elijah. She's not simply satisfied by Elijah sending his servant. She wants Elijah. She wants God 
to go with her to save her son. And she will not accept anything less than that. You don't just automatically wake up one day and everything just clicks and you just suddenly just know that you can run to God in every and every situation and he will have a solution for you. Now, you may not like every solution that God has for you, but he has a solution for you and it's going to be for your benefit. It's going to be for your good. But we don't just wake up just knowing that. It's a process. We have to experience God. We have to be in his presence to experience him. And the more that we're in his presence, the more that we're building a relationship with God. And the more that we are filled with faith to do these type of things, to say, you know what? I'm not leaving you. I'm not satisfied with you simply sending your servant. You need to come with me back to my house and figure this out. Because I told you, don't play with me. I told you how much I wanted a son and you gave me a son. And now he passed away. You're coming with me and you're going to fix this. We're going to figure this out together. It's not easy being in a relationship. It's not easy being married. There's going to come a time where you may even consider, you know, possibly leaving, getting a divorce. You may consider, you know, you may consider a lot of things that aren't beneficial to your relationship. Let's just say that, right? There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be moments where you, you know, might wake up and realize that maybe your personalities didn't align as much as you thought they aligned. Or maybe, you know, one person is clean, one person is unorganized, one person is good with finances, one person is hor uh, horrible with finances, right? All of those things. And I think all of those are very important things, right? But I think the most important thing is... Spiritually, are y'all compatible? Do you both know who to run to when things get hard? Do you both know who to consult after an argument? Do you both have a relationship with God similar to this woman to where when everything comes crashing down, are you running to God or are you running to the world? Are you running to a substance? Are you running to porn? Are you running to your, you know, girlfriend? You know what I'm saying? Your best friend or your sister? Are you running to your parents? Are you running to the club? Like I don't do you do y'all know where to run to when things fall apart? Because inevitably, there's gonna be a time in our life where things just fall apart.
And that could be detrimental to a relationship. That could be detrimental to a marriage. But if you know who to run to, then God can help you mend that. And he can fix that brokenness and he can turn that around. You know? Let's keep reading. So it says, then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sign or sound of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him the child has not awakened. When Elijah came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in, he shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched, he stretched himself upon him. The flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her and she came to him. He said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. I think there's going to be moments where and I'm talking specifically like in a marriage because we we are Christians. We don't date just to, you know, date. We don't date just for secular worldly reasons. We date with the intention of getting married. And I think we all have to have that same mindset and we all have to make that shift. It's okay to have fun and, and you know, whatnot, but at a certain point, we have to understand that our time here is very limited. Our time here is very short. And finding a partner that we can spend the rest of our life with is a very crucial, crucial activity that we need to take seriously and we need to invest time in doing so. But once we find that person, once we enter into that marriage, like I said, things are not going to be perfect. There's going to be moments where you might feel like your marriage is completely falling apart or trending in that direction. Just look at the statistics. We can't be naive to the statistics. Over 50% of people end up divorced. We got to come into our, our marriage with an understanding that the odds are that this is going to fail. So with those odds in mind, there's probably going to be a certain point where we might feel like giving up. But who do you run to? Who do you seek in those moments? Just like Elijah came and healed everything, healed her son, brought her son back to dead, brought her son back to life from the dead, God can do the same thing for your relationship. God can do the same thing for your marriage. Elijah said, come pick up your son. 
He's good now. He's alive. He's better than ever. Come pick him up. And we have to have the confidence and the faith to know that no matter what situation happens in our marriage, God can pick up the pieces for us. And he can mend it and he can heal it and he can fix it. But as I said previously, the time that we spend before we are married, whether it's singleness or dating, that time is going to set us up to have a successful marriage because that is the time where we grow and learn how to have a relationship with God and what that looks like and how he can provide for us in so many different ways. So when two people understand the true power of what it looks like to have a, a genuine relationship with God and when two people merge their relationships into one, under one household, under one union, under one co uh, covenant, under God. That is unbreakable. No matter what may come your way. That is unbreakable. Because you have an ultimate force, a divine force that is overseeing it all. So I'm going to leave it at that, you know. And just remember what we talked about. Just remember some of the verses that we went through, you know. God is pleased when you make sacrifices to be in a relationship with him. He's pleased by that. And he'll bless you for that. We have to know who to run to when things get tough. And we have to identify the moments in our life where it's necessary to block out external opinions and go right to the throne of God and seek him first and solely above anything. We have to recognize those moments in our life. And lastly, we have to understand that God can pick up the pieces in any situation if we allow him to do that. And I'm not telling you to subject yourself to physical abuse or mental abuse or emotional abuse or any of those things. I'm not telling you to subject yourself to, you know, infidelity or adultery or, or, or any of those things, right? I'm not telling you to subject yourself to those situations, but I'm saying that God can pick up the pieces in any situation, in any situation. He can. He truly can. And when two people understand that, and when two people put God first, that's a recipe for success. And in a world where less and less people are getting married and more and more people are getting divorced, less and less people are wanting to have children, but more and more people you know, are continuing to um, 
pass away, obviously. Like, there's got to be a basis. There's got to be there's got to be some sort of priority that we have to seek life above all else. And that comes through our relationships that we get into, that comes to our marriage, that comes through having children, that comes through seeking the one who gives life, Jesus Christ, and sharing the gospel. So I'm out. <laughs> I'm rambling at this point. Um, but get in the comments, like this video, subscribe, help us get to 10k y'all. Hope you have an amazing day. Take care.